All around the world, people are floundering. There's something missing, something more that they just can't grasp. Do you feel it too? Welcome to the Higher Purpose Podcast. Every week, host Kevin Monroe will help you navigate to your true north and flourish in faith, business, and life. You found us for a reason. Stay tuned to find out why. You're listening to the Higher Purpose Podcast. This is episode 30. Thanks for joining me for today's episode. This is going to be fun. Before we dive in, I think there's some value in in sharing two backstories that connect to today's podcast episode. One is the story of how I first met today's guest, Chris Patton. And the second is the series of events that led to today's conversation. You see, I believe relationships are primary. All else is derivative. Relationships are how we navigate the world. Chris landed on my radar screen three or four years ago because of his blog. Yet it was through a mutual friend, Todd Michaels, who arranged the meeting where Chris and I finally met in person. We spent a couple of hours connecting, getting acquainted, and then staying acquainted. Now, like so many of the amazing people I'm blessed to know, Chris is an incredibly generous guy. Last year, when I launched this podcast, Chris was one of the people I contacted and asked this question, who do you know that would make an amazing guest for the podcast? Well, Chris supplied several names and made some introductions. At the end of 2017, I was in a period of reflection and I was listing some of the amazing things that had happened throughout the course of the year. Now, back to the relationships are primary and all else is derivative comment. In addition to reflecting on the great things that had happened, I I started mapping out who was involved in making the introductions and the connections associated with those great things. I actually wrote a blog post about this for LinkedIn, talking about um, supercharging your year-end reflection. Well, Chris was on that list. You see, Chris is the guy that introduced me to Mark Tim, who's the CEO of Ziegler Family. Mark ended up being my very first guest on the podcast. He's become a good friend and an amazing collaborator on so many projects. So I sent Chris a message of thanks for making that fruitful introduction and asked if he wanted to catch up. Of course he did, and when he did, I was blown away at what he had to share. Chris is, as we say in the South, smack dab in the middle of a purpose pivot. When we talked in January, it was just getting started, and he's still navigating the process. Well, that's what prompted me to ask Chris if he'd join me, and let's unpack and explore this while it is still unfolding. About Chris Patton, he's a blogger a business leader in a third-generation family-owned business that you'll hear more about in a few moments, a husband, a father, and now the CEO of a global nonprofit organization. Join me for this fascinating conversation that profiles his purpose journey and pivot in real time. Hey, Chris, thanks so much for joining me today. I'm looking forward to a fun conversation, and who knows what all might get bundled in along the way. And I also want to say thanks for being willing to join us and talk about your purpose pivot 
as it's happening in real life and real time. So, Chris Patton. Thanks, Kevin. I appreciate it. Love the opportunity to be here. Hey, Chris, as we're getting started, what's what's something that's not necessarily in your official bio or on the blog about you that would help us to get to know you better? Kevin, I've got three children in college at the same time. <laughs> Bless uh, your heart. That's enough right there. That's the whole story right there. But it, my daughters are twins. They went off to school in August. And uh, so my wife and I are six months into Empty Nest. And I got to tell you, it's incredible. Um, we have been camping a good bit with a camper, not a tent. And uh, the two of us have found that to be a lot of fun. And we are, we're just having the time of our life. Not that we didn't love having the kids around, but it's, it's pretty cool season. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Um, speaking from as another empty nester with a few more years of empty nest, it, it is a lot of fun. And then, you know, one of the joys of our life is uh, grandchildren. Uh, we, we have one granddaughter, biological, and right now we have two foster grandchildren in our lives. So wow. it's fun. That's great. I'm not rushing that. No, no, no. That's not anything any of us should rush. So, Chris, if I did the math right, I think it was about 15 years ago when your purpose awakening really began. Did, did I get the math right there? That's that's close. Uh, 15 years ago is when I really figured out what it was. Okay. The, the crisis, not the crisis, but the the uh, the period of figuring it out and awakening to the point that I didn't really, I wasn't living it out or I wasn't really embracing it started about three years earlier. Okay. From, from 2000 to 03, uh, I was trying to figure it out. God got a hold of my heart and made me realize I had not been really focused on my faith. And um, I had kind of set him apart as a compartment and uh, wasn't bad. I just, it just wasn't central to who I was. And between 2000 and 03, that changed dramatically. And 03 is when I really clicked, when it clicked and when I started realizing what I needed to be doing. Okay. So obviously we can't do a deep dive on all 18 years. <laughs> uh, although that would be fun to do. We can't do it in this podcast episode. So what was it that precipitated this crisis and, and got you really awakened to wondering, what is this? Well, that could also be a long version in itself, that, that answer to that question. But the short version is, Kevin, I started, uh, I read a book that caused me to pause uh, and realize that I was a, uh, I called myself a Christian. I was a believer and had been all my life, but I had never stopped to take the time and dig into the Bible on my own and figure out what it was saying to me and what it meant to me. I had a, I had my parents' faith, and I did not own my own. And so that was in 2000. And for the next couple of years, I started really digging in and trying to learn it myself and figure out what is this? Is, is God real? What does he mean to me? That kind of thing. And that's what really jump-started my growth um, and my awareness of things around me that it just changed dramatically over that time period. Fabulous. Okay, so if you're listening and, and you know you get a little uncomfortable with people talking about faith, let me assure you this doesn't become a preaching conversation, and we're not trying to convert you through this conversation. Faith. Our goal is to be authentic, and for Chris and I both, faith is part of that authentic uh, who we are. But we're we're being very intentional to make sure this conversation a, applies to anyone anywhere on the faith spectrum and where you're at in the journey. So, Chris, when you 
when you look back at this, what was an early decision? Possibly even one of the first decisions you remember making that got you moving more intentionally to integrating, you know, all of this together into one life for you. Well, I think what you just said a minute ago, where um, we want to be authentic. And too often today, we can look around the world and you can look in the news, you can look in other places and see, even if you if you're not a believer, or if you are, you can see so many people saying one thing and doing another. And to me, that's the antithesis to authentic. Yes. And what I realized was I was, you know, from my faith growing up, I was not living a bad or immoral life, but I was calling myself one thing and I wasn't living that out. So the, the, the real crisis was what really got me started in this direction was that I needed to live an integrated life. I needed to live a life that followed the evidence followed what my mouth said I was doing and that was the biggest difference for me okay and, and so the the way this works or, or or the way I hear this explained a lot that it's easy for people whatever day of the week you observe your faith in the south as christians that's often sunday right. but whatever day it is that that day doesn't look radically different from the other 6 days of the week is the goal that's right. Right. The goal is that we are authentic, integrated people, and we are who we are wherever we show up. We show up as ourselves, and people can look at you and say, "Well, yeah, that's Chris. I know Chris, and that's how Chris is at church. That's how Chris is in the community. That's how Chris is at work." Exactly. Okay. So now, a few years later, Chris Patton starts blogging, and that was in 2011. That's, that's early in blogging history. So what was it that prompted you, you know, how did you go from just kind of thinking about this and trying to figure it out for yourself and in your business to bringing others along on the journey or sharing your journey with others so they can follow along? Sure. So in 03, when I came to this position of I'm going to live out my purpose, I figured out in my heart and mind that living an integrated, authentic life meant that I took my faith into my work because prior to that I had kept them separate. In fact, I was raised for the most part by a generation that said you keep business separate from politics, religion, and SEC football. Right? <laughs> so I was always that way. So in 03, I began trying to be authentic with my faith in the workplace, not forcing people to believe what I believe, but simply living it out. So. Okay. And in your workplace, let's talk about your workplace, because that's that may not be the simplest business for people <laughs> to say, well, gosh, that's, that's real easy to say, hey, I'm sure. going to live my faith in my work. And my work is? It's the car business. So uh, I'm a third generation uh, partner in the family business. Um, we've got three car dealerships down in LaGrange, Georgia, about an hour south of Atlanta. And we've been in LaGrange for uh, about 45 years. So. Um, that's not a, not an easy thing to do. You're right to, to bring faith into that workplace, but, but we did. And, and the goal just being to love our employees, to love our customers and to share that love that God, we believe God's given us and to be authentic in that. So I do that for the next seven, eight years, learning a lot, stumbling a lot. And in 2011, my wife told me I needed a hobby. And she said, you are driving me crazy at home, either at night or on the weekends, and you need a release of some sort, some sort of a hobby. And somehow, 
a blog came up and I'm not a writer, never have been, but the idea came to me that I could take the struggles I've been going through with trying to integrate faith into the, the workplace and I could just blog about that. And initially, Kevin, I swear, I thought it was going to be my mother and me, online journal, so to speak, and she'd tell me how great I am. And that was it. And so I just started writing about being in the trenches of trying to live faith out in the workplace. And it just flowed. It was fun. It was a release for me. And, you know, I did not expect it, but people started reading it and responding. Okay. So uh, what stands out to you from those earliest days? I mean, the fact that there were others than your mother reading it? The, the craziest one is this. So I got an email from a pastor that said, I've never heard of doing ministry in the business. Would you be willing to come teach our church about this? And I said, sure, I'd love to. Where's your church? And he said, Shandigar, India. <laughs> and I just, I st- this is just email exchange. And I just stopped in my tracks when I read that. And I typed back, you know, his name was Rajiv, which should have tipped me off. It didn't. And I said, I don't plan to ever be in India. How would we do this? And he said, you Skype, right? I said, well, sure. He said, I have a bed sheet, a projector, a laptop, and a generator. You teach from LaGrange and through Skype, and I'll translate to my members of my home church, which were about 15 to 20 people sitting on a concrete floor in a four-wall, no-roof environment. And we did five of those where I just taught them what I believed about using faith in the workplace very simple terms and, and not, you know, things that I thought might translate across cultures. And it is amazing, but I just never imagined yeah. that I could write a blog in Georgia that a pastor in India would pick up and see value in. That, that is fascinating. And, and for you listening, I, I just want to remind you, this happens day in and day out for people on the path of purpose, just doing what they want to do. And because of the beauty and the power and the reach of the internet, all of a sudden, what what you think you're doing maybe in your closet office is having an impact on the other side of the world. So Chris, this, I, I just love this. Uh, what, what else jumped out to you? What do you remember about those early days? Was it easy or were you pulling your hair out, blogging? I'll tell you the, the funny thing. I've always been a computer guy okay. from a young kid. You know, I grew up uh, in, I was born in 70. So, you know, grew up in the time when PCs came out, when they first got into the homes. And I did little programming here and there as a kid and had a computer magazine subscription. I mean, I was, it's, it's kind of bad, but. Yeah, that was me as a kid. And so when I said, I'll start this blog, I thought, well, this will be easy. I'll figure out HTML and and I'll do this, you know, WordPress deal and I'll do it on my own because I don't have any money to put toward it. I remember very clearly actually considering slinging my laptop out the window in frustration <laughs> at trying to figure out this new language. And this, and I don't know if it was just as we age, it's tougher to learn. I don't know if the if it got more complicated or I was just dumbed down, but man, it was, it was a lot harder than I thought to get the technical side of it up and going. Now today I could do it a lot easier, a lot quicker, but I was determined to do it by myself and figure it out. So point being, it was not just all this easy overnight. It flows and now it's happening. There were some, there was some learning curve there. And I reached out to some people 
online that I've bumped into through the blog and said, you know, help me with this. Uh, you know, made a good connection with a guy that was in Clemson, start Clemson, South Carolina, starting a blog on his own. And his was doing much better than mine, but we exchanged ideas and he gave me some help. And that's a friend today that's putting me in connection with other people. So, uh, you know, it was, it was frustrating to a degree because I thought it would be easier, but it was also rewarding because I pushed through it and, and made it work. Okay. So your wife encourages you to start this blog and the name of the blog, by the way, just to be clear is christianfaithatwork.com. Okay. And and you're talking about your experiences, just trying to live out your faith on a day-to-day basis in the workplace. All of a sudden you, you realize there are people from India reading your yeah. blog and other places in between. Uh, how, how did you balance blogging, which was certainly part of your passion and your purpose, along with business and family commitments that are going on at the time? Because I think this is a struggle for a lot of us. We are awakened to purpose. There's something we want to do, but we're not doing it full time. That's, that's a good point. So initially, the first couple of months, Kevin, it was difficult putting in late night hours, that kind of thing, just trying to figure out this language and this WordPress site and whole thing um, and trying to do it right. I mean, you can go on quickly and, and just do it, but I wanted to do it right. I wanted it to look, look good and professional. So I put in late night hours initially trying to figure out and get things up and running. And that was a challenge, but I knew I also could not maintain that over time. I had family in 2011. My, uh, my kids were 12 and 14, right? So you don't, take all this time away from them. So what I ended up doing is I just carved out a couple of hours on a Friday afternoon on a weekly basis. And it was scheduled into my calendar and I would get in my car and drive a quarter mile down the road to the Starbucks uh, cafe, sit there and I would type my blog posts and then I would get back up. It would take me an hour, hour and a half, maybe two hours. And I go right back to work. And then it would be later that evening that I would dress it up and, post it on the site and I'd schedule them accordingly. So I got it to where it's probably three or four hours a week max. While that's hard, it also, I realized it was causing me to think through things at work, remembering, hey, I should post about this later. It brought accountability to my work because I said, hey, I can't write it if I'm not doing it. Another part of that authentic uh, life. So it integrated into what I was doing because it was helping me in several ways. So I didn't feel like I was stealing time from work to do it. If that makes sense. Yeah. Okay. So there are a couple of things that are packed in there that we're not going to unpack. I'm just going to call out for folks. If you're not familiar with time blocking, that's how you get things done. And that's what Chris is talking about. He blocked out time. He had a special routine, a special place he went to write for this purpose. So uh, I love it that you were doing time blocking to keep this on focus. And I want to commend you for being faithful to continue blogging through seven years. I mean, that's, that's, a, that's a lot of blogging. It was. So. What, before we get into where we're at today, any other big uh, dots that, you know, from, from blogging 2011 to 2017, late 2017, where we're going to pick up in just a moment, any other key dots you want to connect for, for us? Kevin, I think you get this, and, and I think you bring this out in your podcast quite a bit, but it's the connections 
the relationships that we make um, most often that we don't realize at the time we're, are even going to be critical later until you start making a bunch of them. And then you start realizing mm, this is going to come back later. I don't know how, but somehow this is going to connect later. Um, but it's those connections that I gained through the blog that otherwise may or may not have happened. If they had, it would have had to happen a different way, obviously. But uh, I made a lot of relationships then and over the past seven years that literally today in this topic we're about to go into are starting to pay off or not just pay off, but they're starting to be become more meaningful in certain ways. Okay. Some have through blogs or other content I was reading to learn and to gain experience or knowledge around how to do it right myself. And then some of it was through readers and interactions I had there. The other thing that I want to call out here and just, you know, kind of asterisk, the authenticity is what paves the way for connection. That's right. When we, when you are just yourself and you can, you know, put away all the, the, uh, head trash that tells you you shouldn't be doing this, that you're, you're, you're not good enough, all of that, but you're just yourself, that shines through and it makes connection a lot easier. So Chris, you, as I said in the introduction, you're smack dab in the middle of a pretty significant transition. Let, let, let's talk about it. And again, I want to thank you for agreeing to talk about it, you know, while the dust is still in the air. H- how did this transition unfold? Again, pulling on some of those relationship themes you were just talking about. So the have built a relationship back seven years ago, six years ago um, with a guy named Mark Cress. And Mark is the founder of corporate chaplains of America and Mark, uh, we were using their services in our business, uh, providing a chaplain to our employees and uh, just happened to, started the relationship with Mark through that um, agreement or through that partnership with the businesses. And over time, uh, Mark just took the time and, and in some ways became a mentor to me and pouring into me over time. So back a year ago, almost, it was last March, um, Corporate Chaplains was actually looking for a new CEO and they had a search firm go out and my name had been mentioned by Mark, but also by uh, one or two of the employees of the company as a possible candidate for CEO. So I get a call from the search firm that is working with them, a, a firm called Carter Baldwin in Atlanta, and just said, would you be willing to consider it? Well, I'm, I mean, we've talked about this. I'm third generation leader in a family business, been here 40 years. I've never known another job. <laughs> and I thought, that's crazy. I mean, literally crazy. Now, I prayed with my wife about it. We talked. I went to two other connections who are mentors and uh, had some experience in this. And I said, what do you think? And both quickly said, you go through it. You listen. You learn. You know, if if God is behind it, he'll make it clear. If he's not, then it won't happen. And either way, you're learning from it. So I went through that. They ended up going with a different candidate. I went through two interviews and um Thoroughly enjoyed the process, but I knew it wasn't the right fit. Well, October comes around, you know, four months ago, and Mark has spoken with a one of his best friends who's a board member of Corporate Chaplains of CCA, a guy named Peter Freisler. And Peter has gone through much the same journey I have, and 
in doing as well as he did, businesses started coming to him and they wanted help. So he started an organization back in 08 called His Way at Work. And it's a nonprofit. It's revenue generating nonprofit. So it's a self-sustaining nonprofit or two big one. And uh, they've been doing it for almost 10 years now in various ways. But Peter had told Mark, I need to find a CEO. And Mark said, I think I have a candidate for you. So they called me. The rest is history. Yeah. Well, current history. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So uh, this whole idea of the threading of relationships and folks, when, when, when you, when me, when, Chris, we're navigating this life and and we're trying to go through these decisions. Opportunities present themselves. Sometimes you get excited about an opportunity. You think maybe this is it. And then that opportunity ends up in a closed door. What what were the emotions? I mean, you you said you realized it wasn't right, but do you remember what you were feeling at the time? I do. I I was really convinced, Kevin, that I was not the guy for that job. Um, in fact, one of our, our chaplain through corporate chaplains had, had talked with me about it. And I, I told him, I said, it's just, I'm not qualified. I'm not that guy. And he argued with me, but I had the feeling going in that that was, I don't know about over my head, but it just wasn't a right fit. And, yeah. and here's a, there's a point here too. I want to make sure to, to cover because chaplaincy for me, for, for where I am in, in my faith and, my passion around taking faith into the workplace and teaching that chaplaincy in my mind is a core part of that model, but it's not the center or the whole of that model. And so while it would, it would be easy to say, well, chaplaincy is is all about ministry and business. That should be a pursuit of yours. I told them during the interview process, I said, guys, unless God plants a passion in me for chaplaincy alone, that's not my purpose. That's not my passion. My passion is the whole picture where I recommend chaplaincy, but also recommend this and look at this and so forth. So I just never felt this is something I want to chase. And now at the end, when they chose somebody else, yeah, there's always that feeling of, wow, they didn't pick me. You, <laughs> <know>? <laughs> you can't help that. I yeah. wanted to be picked and then be able to say no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You wanted to turn them down. Exactly. But uh, but I knew, or I thought, felt I knew, and then it was confirmed when they went elsewhere. And I think they made a phenomenal choice, uh, a guy named Larry Griffith, who will do a fantastic job there. But there was a little rejection, but it was, I mean, literally 10, 15% of my feelings. The rest of it was, you know what, that was a great experience. Literally put that behind me and let's move on. I've got work to do. Right. But isn't it interesting that it's going through that experience that and, and the relationships involved in that that open the door to yeah. the next opportunity. So, say a little more about the alignment between what you've been doing since you started the blog and, and this journey you've been on for a number of years, and this new opportunity, his way at work. So, What's the alignment that there where where chaplaincy was part kind of, of aligned, but not right. bullseye. So. I'll back up to to where Peter uh, and I sat down for the first time and we met in Atlanta and we we met at 930 on a Thursday or Friday morning. And 
quite literally spent six or seven hours together in a hotel meeting room with a quick break for lunch. And it seemed like 20 minutes. And Peter went through his, his transition period, his epiphany, so to speak, and what he had done faith wise in his business. And it was almost a mirror image of what I had gone through from, from Oh three on. And Every time he shared something new, a new step or a new part of his process, or then shared with me the manual that his way at work has compiled to teach other business owners how to do this. As I looked through that manual, Kevin, it looked like chapters were articles from my blog. It looked like I had written some of these because it was things I was doing. There were there were uh, not only processes, but but even metrics and and, uh, graphs and indicators of what we were doing. So I was just blown away at how it, it was, could have been just laid over top of my journey and had so many similarities. So I was hooked. Now I still had this whole idea of having to leave the family business, sell my home, move out of town, move my wife, leave ownership in a family business organization with the relationship. I mean, I couldn't fathom doing all that, but I was hooked on the idea of what he had, what he was sharing. And this organization basically goes into businesses, takes a CEO who says, I want to integrate my faith into my work and I don't know how, what do I do? And his way at work comes in, comes alongside the CEO and then works within the organization to set up strategies, processes, and so forth to make that happen for them and to keep it ongoing, self-sustaining. So it was dead center, what I've been writing about. Uh, I got to meet one of the board members of His Way at Work during the interview process, and he said when Peter told him that I was the candidate, he said, I've been reading this stuff for three years, and I told Peter, you ought to look at his blog. It's like he pulled chapters out of your book. (laughs) So it was so funny how it was so similar. So it it was exciting. But then it was scary because then I realized, you know, I'm actually starting to think about this. And I've got a very comfortable position and job and family situation and relationships and community that I've been in for 40 years. What am I thinking? And, you know, for my wife and I, because faith is central to, to our lives, we began praying about this and trying to figure out, God, is this it? Is this what you want? Or is this just a whim of mine? And frankly, at that point, I said, if this is just a whim of mine, I don't want it. I'm going to walk away from it. I mean, I'll support them or I'll, you know, I'll write about them and, and promote them. But I don't want to go take this job as CEO of something completely new three and a half hours from home. And through that process, Kevin, it was crystal clear and then some that it was a perfect match. And yeah, when you and I connected for the conversation we had back in January, I mean, this was still I mean, it was like. Very early in it. And I just remember, Chris, the excitement, the enthusiasm, the 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 little bit of almost in, incredulity, you know, I mean, or yes. th- th- this just this is too good to be true. This is uh, th- I've never dreamed of this. I mean, this is not a job I went looking for. But if there were a job that were crafted for me based on the journey I've traveled, wow, this is it. Literally. I have read Peter's book, little book called The Business Card, about his journey. I had read it back in 2012 because I was in this circle of people doing businesses, ministry, so forth. 
I was aware of his company and what he had been doing. And I thought, man, you know, it'd be really cool one day is to meet him. (laughs) (laughs) And now I'm running his organization and uh, I'm, I'm pinching myself in some ways. I'm still, I mean, there's a big deal to walk away from a family business to sell home and, and belongings. You know, the camper I mentioned earlier has got to go. There's some other things we got to do differently. But at the same time, when you know you're in your purpose, you know everything that you're doing is focused on your passion and you're fulfilled as you do it. Even though you're exhausted at the end of the day, you're energized. Yes. And unless you've experienced that, you, it doesn't make sense. But I go home mentally and, and emotionally worn out and energized at the same time. Yeah. No, I get that. And I'm sure some of you listening understand that unique experience Chris is describing there. So, Chris, here's what I I just want to unpack just a little bit. Uh, This is something you never you never dreamed of doing. You, You never really dreamed that you would leave the family business and go do something else. It's kind of like this your blog was still kind of this hobby. It was growing, sure. it had tremendous impact and reach, but you had never really thought. Now, I want to be clear here. You had thought of how do I um, leverage this? How yeah. do we monetize it in ways so that, you know, it, it's not a black hole? We, we don't want to be, right. you, you wanted it to be sustained, but you never really imagined this becoming your full time gig. I. That's mostly true. Okay, so mostly true. In the last two to three years, the shift for me went from addition to multiplication. And so for me, in the early days of the blog and doing what I did at work, I was trying to, in my mind, impact people one at a time in a way that would point them to God because I believe that's where the fulfillment comes. Mm-hmm. And so I'm trying to do that in relationships at work. I'm trying to do it through the blog. But the more and more I wrote and the more and more I bumped into people and had opportunities or became aware of of methods or so forth, I began wondering how could I take the addition I'm doing one at a time relationships and start multiplying, teaching another business owner to do the same thing I'm doing. So every time I do that, I've picked up however many employees he's got that I'm impacting indirectly through him or her. And I enjoy the speaking. I enjoy the teaching and that kind of, uh, of opportunity. So I pursued some of that. I joined a mastermind group with Michael Hyatt back a couple of years ago, spent two years with him and, and that small group. And that gave me huge insights and opened up my mind to possibilities that I hadn't thought about before. I never said, how do I lay out a plan to leave the business and do something else? One, because I've got a I've had a pretty good gig and didn't necessarily want to leave it. And two, I just thought it's probably that I will be in this for the long haul. And just like you said, leverage the blog and some other things while I'm doing this. Um, But as the doors opened in this opportunity, it just became crystal clear that this was it. This was something I meant to do. The, the, whole set of circumstances around their involvement, this organization's involvement and the people there and the opportunities that they're facing right now, I'm, I'm a fit for. Mm-hmm. And, and it, to me, my belief is God has custom made this position for me and custom made me for this position yeah. at this time. 
Well, the thing I remember when we were talking back in January is this just seemed like a perfect way to take your vision, the, the vision for the work, the impact of the blog to a whole new level, a much grander level. You're talking about scaling, but a grander level because his way at work is global. That's right. In its reach. Now, you know, I remember when we first got acquainted a couple of years ago, I remember you telling me the India story. I had forgotten that. Now, isn't that interesting, right? That one of the first opportunities you have is to do something to impact somebody on the other side of the world. And now that's becoming part of the everyday work you're doing is this global outreach to work with business leaders around the world and put your purpose to work at a much greater level. How does that make you feel, Chris? Crazy. Uh, humbled, seriously, because I go back to the what I said about the position with corporate chaplains. I'm not qualified. And I'm in this position, I look at that kind of platform, the size of the platform and the opportunities to affect hundreds of companies which each could have hundreds of employees. And when I think about that, I'm not qualified. Now, when I look at my resume, so to speak, and the experiences I've had over the last 10, 15 years, they all, all the things fit for this job. But it's still, I look at it and I think, how in the world did I get picked for this? How do I get this opportunity? And I've, I've literally been sitting in meetings, Kevin, and I've pinched myself to say, is this real? Because I'm for the first time in, in maybe the first time ever, first time in recent memory, I've been able to think the thought they're paying me to do this. Wow. Wow. Yeah. And the thing that I just want to highlight here is a call out. Relationships were the path. Oh, no doubt. That, that, that connected the dots together. And I just love that. In, in the introduction, I talked about the quotation that relationships are primary, all else is derivative. And Chris, as you've told this story, I mean, there's just this relational thread that pulls through this, and you never know what conversation you're going to have that's going to come back, as you said, seven years later, and all of a sudden you see dots connecting. So what, what's, I know there are probably multiple things at this moment. But what are you most excited about with this transition? That's a good question because there are multiple things I'm excited about. Um, for someone like myself who is faith-driven and, and faith-based, my life-ending desire is to, or that's not the right word, I guess. My desire for the end of my life is to hear Jesus say, well done good and faithful servant. That is, that's the goal for me. And to sit where I'm sitting right now at the, I mean, I'm two weeks into this new job. I'm transitioning into this different location. So I'm just on the cusp of, of seeing what's possible. But as I look at the possibilities and recognize the hundreds and thousands of people that could be impacted in a positive way because of the work I'm going to be doing, I fast forward to that end day and look backward, that excites me to see the possibility of so many people getting to know God in a real way because I introduced their CEO to a pattern or a method that helps integrate it into the workplace. Mm. 
mm. that I could be used that way, that excites me. Okay. So uh, let, let's shift gears a moment, not not talk so much just about this. Talk about some other things I talk to people about when we're talking about a profile of purpose, their life, how they've learned. Uh, but before I do that, I do want to say I'm excited for you because you've been generous enough to share one of those manuals with me. I've read the manual, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, this is a beautiful blueprint for how an organization can have tremendous impact through their work and and really be a beacon of hope and light uh, to a community or to to their employees in, in the community. So I'm excited for, for what lies ahead for you. But who's inspired you? You mentioned Michael Hyatt being a mastermind with him. Who else has inspired you on this journey over the last 18, 20 years? Wow, that's a good question. Um, you know, the first person ever to inspire me was my father, without a doubt. And his, he and I don't always see eye to eye or not necessarily argue, but don't always just see things the same way anymore, especially as I've gotten older and develop my own thoughts and so forth. But from the very early ages, as long as I can remember, he's been someone who lived out his faith. Now, business was not in his generation mixed with faith, so it was different. But he was known in town by his friends, by his family as the same guy, Monday to Saturday, as well as Sunday. And that's inspired me from the beginning. Um, If you fast forward to the last you know, five to 10 years, it is people like Michael Hyatt, um, who has shown intentional leadership kind of with his material. Um, you know, another would be a Dan Cathy and, and the way um, he's drawn some flack in some areas for taking a stand. But the fact that he takes a stand, the fact that he says, this is what I believe, possibly at the detriment of my business, I'm going to be authentic. I'm going to be real. Um, that's inspiring to me. Um, and there are, you know, there are a handful of people in my life locally, uh, my chaplain, uh, a best friend of mine, my brother, uh, they, you know, just same way. I, there have been people that I bump into along the way and I've made a, perp- a uh, decision to listen and learn to everybody and possibly learn from. And I get little inspirations from each. So you keep talking about relationship and connections and sometimes people may say, well, how am I ever going to bump into a Michael Hyatt and get to spend two years with him? Well, you're right. Maybe the odds are small, right? But there are people around you every day that can teach you something if you're paying attention. Yeah. But since you said that, I also want to say some of this, folks, you just have to be audacious and put yourself out there right. in, in a position where the unbelievable can happen. When I, when I applied for the Hyatt Mastermind, I saw it on his blog. He At the time, there were 500 and something thousand readers of his blog. And I thought, this is ridiculous. <laughs> I'm from LaGrange, Georgia. I got a you know, small family business. There is no way in the world I'll qualify for this. In fact, I'm actually at the age where I'm on the, old, the upper end of where he even was looking for. But I said, you know what? If it's meant to be, it'll happen. I threw it out there and... I was audacious in that. Yeah. Didn't cost me anything, but it does, it does risk rejection. Yeah. Yeah. And when it was, when I got to see that I got to do it and went through it for two years, unbelievable life-changing 
learning and, and, and from the people in the group also. Absolutely. So here's a little footnote for you listening out of my own journey. Last year, I was really challenged to stop saying no for others and allow them the opportunity to say yes, you know, because it's easy. It's easy to not ask. It's easy to not apply. So you say, well, how did you get there? Well, you filled out an application. You know, there are probably other people that thought, well, no, I wouldn't be selected. Well, if you don't fill out the application, you're right. You'll never be selected. But you fill out the application, and who knows what might happen. So, Chris, what's the you, you started talking about some folks and listening. What's some of the best wise counsel you've received about a life of purpose? That's a good question. Um, one piece was from Hyatt, and uh, he encouraged us to look at our future as a whiteboard. Hmm. And not to take, because I've been in a family, for me personally, I've been in a family business uh, at this point, that was 2015. So I've been in the family business for, you know, 20, 25 years. And it looked like that was my path. And when he said, your future can be a whiteboard experience where you start drawing on there what you want to do. You can't necessarily change it overnight. Some ways you can but some things may take you a year or two to get to. But if you don't whiteboard it now and start laying out your plan, your life plan, you will never get there. You will be on the same track from here on out. And that pause mm. that caused me to start rethinking my purpose, my, my passions and so forth. And it did not lead me to where I am. It just opened the door for me to think about it. Yeah. Yeah. So is there any bad advice you've either given or received? <laughs> oh, there's there's a lot of bad advice I've given. Um, and I'm not going to share any of that. that that's right. Um, I've, I've probably given my kids more bad advice than, than I uh, would like to admit. Um, you know, I can't remember any. I'm Good. sure I have. Um, but nothing sticks out to where... Nothing that ruined your life. No, not at all. And, and frankly... You may challenge this, but I would I would really have a hard time hearing someone tell me, "Well, I was given this bad advice and it ruined my life." Yeah, I'm, that's a th- that's some victimology. If 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 you that's exactly what I'm thinking. Yeah, so yeah. I've made some bad decisions without yeah. a doubt, um, probably based on some advice I was given or at least thought I was giving given. Um, and I'll tell you this: when I go seeking advice and I'm looking for specific advice. And I almost, in my subconscious, I create what I want to hear, and I go find the people that will tell me that. That's I've, I've gotten in trouble that way before instead of going in with an open mind and just hearing what they have to say. Confirmation bias. We're out looking for somebody to tell us what we want to hear so we can exactly. make the decision that we know is not a good decision. And frankly, when I went through that corporate chaplain's process, I made the, the I went and asked before going into the process, what should I do? And I talked to the two people I mentioned and um, one of those was Mark Tim. And uh, I said, what should I do? And they said, go through it and listen. And from that point, I didn't ask anybody else's advice. It was between me and my wife and our prayer that if it's going to be, then it's going to be crystal clear, but I'm not going to go find somebody to tell me I should or shouldn't. Right. And that's my my MO. That's the way I'm naturally wired to do. And so I stayed away from other advisors until it was clear. 
Good. Good for you. Hey, knowing what you know now, what would you like to go back and tell your pre-purpose self? <laughs> Start earlier. Uh, <laughs> wake up, man. Um, you know, it was I was 30 years old in 2000 when I really woke up. And I was, prior to that, it wasn't like I was completely asleep, but I just didn't get it. I was doing the things that people are supposed to do. I was doing business. I was going to church. I was being a good person. I was doing what I thought I was supposed to do, but I really didn't get the fact that I was created for a purpose. I didn't live it out. And in 2000, I really woke up. If I could go back, and and so I was 30. If I could go back to my college self, in fact, I was with a, a college student this morning that I'm mentoring and I go back, I go to him and I'm telling him what I would tell myself back then. And that is start figuring out what is your purpose. Don't waste all this time playing around and not saying don't have fun. I'm saying don't waste time just doing stuff. Figure out what drives you. Where's your passion? Find your purpose. So if I could go back 10 years earlier and start, I just, I feel like I'd be way ahead of the game. Wow. You are where you are. At this point in this time, and and it's all good, Chris. I'm thankful uh, for it. I love the statement from Paulo Coelho. Um, I, I'm I'm where I I wish I was here. Uh, I wish I'd have begun this ten years ago, but thank God I didn't wait twenty. Exactly. So, I've heard it this way. So the best time to plant an oak tree was ten years ago, and the second best time is now. That's right now. So, Chris, I, I want to uh, always ask people to give somebody uh, an opportunity to connect with them if they want to learn more. So, I want you to give people coordinates both for your blog and for his way at work for folks that maybe have heard something, want to sure. find out more about that. Yep. So, my blog is uh, christianfaithatwork.com, and the at is AT, not the ampersand. And, um, the His Way at Work website is hwaw.com. Uh, you can get send me an email at chris.patton at hwaw.com. And uh, for now, my blog is still up, and I'm trying to figure out how to integrate it into His Way at Work. Hadn't figured that out yet, so it's still there. Um, in fact, I'm uh, looking forward to figuring out what it's going to be used or how it's going to be leveraged and, and uh, used going forward. All right. Well, Chris, thanks so much for joining us today. This has been a fun conversation as I knew it would be. Thank you, Kevin. I appreciate the chance. Hey, I hope you enjoyed listening in on my conversation with Chris. Here are a couple of things I want to highlight for you. What stood out to me? Number one, and and this may seem insignificant to you, but it's the importance of time blocking. This is a key principle taught by Gary Keller and Jay Papazan in the book, The One Thing. And it's the best way to get things done. Remember, it's how Chris kept cranking out blog content, which was part of his purpose when he was busy doing all of these other things with his day job and his family life. Number two, keep investing in relationships. When I enter a relationship, I go in with high anticipation and try to go in with no expectation. I'm not doing something for someone so they will do something for me, but I know the law of reciprocity is real. As you sow into other people generously, they will return the favor. And then number three, view your future as a whiteboard, a clean slate. Open yourself to new possibilities. 
They're there waiting for you to discover them and to step into them. Hey, what was your takeaway? Let me know in the Higher Purpose Facebook group. Love to hear from you. Remember, you're meant for more. Don't settle for less. Are you ready to connect to other purpose-powered people like yourself so you can network, share ideas, and grow together? Join us in the Higher Purpose community on Facebook for conversation, extra content, and access to Kevin. Go to kevindmonroe.com community.